Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Welcome back to the Latin Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Giro d'Italia Stage 15. Recap the final stage before the second and last rest day. What was billed as a mini uh, Giro di Lombardia using many of the climbs and the finish from the old course back in Diego Rosa Chavez who ran 2016 <laughs> days. That was the stage. 200 Ks, four and a half climbs of note. The Valico di Valcava at the start, but that's 150 Ks from the finish. That was the hardest climb of the day. 12 Ks, 8%. Descent, decent valley. Then two medium mountain climbs of moderate difficulty in the middle. Descent, through and then doing the Largo Colli Aperto climb. We get a first look of it about 55Ks from the finish, 1K, 7.5%, with some pave, with narrow sections, plenty of fans in the sunshine before a, uh, they go through a gate or an old gate and then a pretty fast descent, actually, with good paving or good road surface to the finish line. But from 6.2Ks, 8.5%, flatter at the top, or shallower at the top rather than long descent, valley, Colliaporto again, and descent to the finish. So the, the last major climb crested 30Ks, the steep section at least, 34Ks from the finish. So the long valleys before, that presented an obstacle to, you know, how much time are you really going to gain on this stage if you go there? And I think that led to this being a nailed on break stage, Benji. I guessed yesterday that this would be a break stage where we might see an attack by a GC rider on that tiny hill at the end, and we'll see if something like that occurs, but it definitely had riders in the breakaway that we expected to be in the breakaway, right? Ben Healy and so forth was in the breakaway. Rubio, once again, who was the one that won, was it two days ago, or was it, yeah, probably two days ago? Now, the break had more than those riders. Initially, it started with Velasco and Healy trying to go in the break with the first few riders, and then a group followed them, basically, with Ballerini, Pasqualon, Vidar Gavazzi, Bonifazio, Heis, Berwick, your boy Berwick, with his teammate Frigo, Rojas, Dainese, Molema McNulty, and Albanese. And then we see two other riders trying to catch up, Rubio and Marcelusi. And that's where I want your take here, my friend, because when I saw that, and I saw Rojas in that second group, and I saw... Rubio in that third group on, what is it, still a minute from that second group at that point? I was like, why is Rojas there? There's a flat section right now. We're not at the first climb yet. Why is Rojas not waiting on Rubio? And when Rubio initially jumped, the gap wasn't a minute either. It was like 25, 30 seconds. It quickly ballooned out. Yumbo seemed to want to put the block on today. Don't know why, but... You know, they put the block on to not go for the stage later or not put Coos or someone in the break. So just put the block on uh, with Bahrain, who also just had Pascal on in the break, and Ineos, who sort of made sense. Yeah, I don't know what Novastar were doing, actually. There's a lot of confusing stuff for me because Rubio is like 55 kilograms. He had to chase for like 20 minutes plus on the flat rolling terrain to a group of 10 guys a lot of whom are rulers like ballerini and co and bonifacio working on the flat and rojas cannot win the stage can't win the stage not possible right because you've got mcnulty and healy there rubio is your only chance he's your best chance for stage result and you just keep rojas in the group and you know why they didn't drop him back benji because this is how these teams think i'll explain it to you 
They yeah. think if we drop Rojas back and we don't get back to the break, yeah. people will laugh at us because yeah. we're no longer represented in the break. When in reality, if you just have Rojas in the break, it's also complete. You have 0% chance of stage win anyway. So yeah. the only way to win the stage is to, and this is the thing, Rubio won that stage two days ago. They did, he did 2,500 kilojoules for the whole stage, right? The smaller guys, and Sosa suffers from the same thing, if they have to do big efforts on the flat in a longer stage, it cooks them because they're having to push threshold to, on the flat, and then they're supposed to, what, attack on a climb? It made no sense. He dropped back like 10 seconds before Rubio was about to get on anyway. Completely pointless. And, I, yeah. and like, also on a section where the value of Rojas dropping back wasn't valuable anymore because they had reached a climbing section. It was 7%. They were, they were on the 7 to 9% section where Rojas was finally helping Rubio. And at that point, Rubio can just close it down himself. He doesn't need Rojas anymore. So the time where Rojas is needed is indeed that flat section beforehand or on the sense those parts are where it was needed and it was basically too late by the time they did it. But anyway, they got to the front, but that's one scratch on the... We call it, in Belgium, we call that a scratch on the carrosserie. So basically what? a scratch on the body of, a, of the car. Because now Rubio is driving a car with a scratch on it, so he might not go as fast anymore by the end of this day. That makes no sense, this whole expression no, mate, in Belgium. Yeah. But... Yeah. He's burnt a match. <laughs> <is> yes. The <laughs> main phrase. He's burnt a match. And yeah, it was completely pointless. And it's, I don't think the group... If Rojas dropped out of it, do you think the group would have just been like, let's drive it really hard and keep them behind? I don't <laughs> think so. I don't think so either. Now, Healy was pushing quite a bit as well, though. Let's keep that in mind. Healy was pretty active already at this point to try and keep that break at the front. But it's important to know before we go any further, I think that we let's let us take a quick look at what the KOM standings looked like before this stage. Bios was leading with 144 points. Pino was second on 114. Rubio was third on 68. And Healy was ninth on 24 points, so Healy's far, far away. But then we get to the Valico di Valcava, which is that first climb of the day. And this is a climb that has 40 points available at the top. That's shocking. That's yeah. actually, like, crazy. And on that one, we get a fight between Rubio and Healy for the KOM points because they're both in that classification trying to get those points. And this is a, a pretty ugly fight, and I'd say that Rubio was probably the ugliest, ugliest of the two when it yeah. comes to the behavior on the bike, because they're sprinting next to each other, and Rubio basically moves to the left, and kind of shoulders Healy, maybe even an elbow left and right, a tiny bit of that, and in all honesty, if I take a look at this, Rubio could have had a, a points fine at this sprint. That was pretty yellow ruthless card. behavior, and yeah, <laughs> a yellow card for, for Rubio, but... Why is Healy going sprint, for this? Because he wants to get the KOM jersey, I guess. Would you rather have another stage or KOM jersey? Hmm. Why not try for both? I think he was because so strong on the last Because you get neither. Because <laughs> <laughs> Pino is going to not top 10 GC, not win a stage, and not win KOM. Well, that's a difference. Because he's already got a stage. So maybe he's thinking, I want KOM true, next True, true. He's already got a stage. True. So... And also, Ben Healy was so strong the last time that I can't forgive him to think I can do both and still win this stage. And he was the strongest today, by far. Okay, so we get to the top of this climb. Healy takes the points, 40 points, while Rubio has to settle for the second position, which is 18 points. And then we're already talking about Healy moving up to the fourth position in the KOM standings. He's now on 64 points, while Rubio's on 86. So those guys fighting against each other, and then Baez and Pinochet standing in front of them on the standings without being in the breakaway here will that be the same after today's stage who knows but i don't really believe anything happened before the next climb which was a self have we done the climb. full break listing uh, we've done the full break listing oh, yeah, i'm just I not sure out. i mentioned mcnulty <laughs> enough but mcnulty was definitely in there as well did you hop um, up berwick i i said that your boy berwick was in there with frigo so yeah yeah i hyped okay up, thank hyped you berwick no worries no worries no worries he was in there but we'll talk about him soon enough don't worry after the Selvino climb but on the Selvino climb, I'm like, Ballerini was in this group. I think Gavazzi was in this group. Bonifazio was in this group. I can see that Bonifazio was a tug buddy for Heisen and so forth. But a Ballerini, I'm like, yeah, your fans are in this neighborhood. Sure thing. But 
if you don't anticipate before any of these climbs, then you're not going to be in this group anymore after these climbs. And he doesn't anticipate in front of the Selvino climb, so he drops on the next two climbs. Then he comes back afterwards, but then he drops again on the next climb because he once again doesn't anticipate. So, I don't know, I felt like Pellerini would have been better off if Unwilder was in the breakaway as well, because then he had a purpose of being yeah. there instead of just riding at the front of oh, the race for his fans. Yeah, he, he had a good time. <laughs> well, might as well three riders in, in that team left so they might as well but anyway next climb Silvino climb Healy takes 18 points Rubio takes 8 points that's what the KOM standings are there so they're moving up a bit closer to Byzantino again but then your boy crashes I think it's just before the Miragolo San Salvatore climb Seb Berwick crashed together with Frigo and Velasco how sad were you? I didn't actually see it <laughs> I was <laughs> In the mountains, and I, no, then I was like, "Is he all right?" And then he seemed to be all right. So, I mean, yeah, he would have won the stage if he hadn't crashed. So, <laughs> that's how it goes. I also think he was kind of working for Frigo a little bit, either yeah. before that or after that. Uh, Frigo is a neo pro Italian on Israel. The Israel Young Corps, by the way, uh, include G within that because he's under yeah. thirty five years old, is doing really, really well. Strong Frigo, G, Seb, is actually outperforming all the guys making 10 million above them and yeah i think seb was working a little bit for frigo marking healy and mcnulty we get to the base though of san salvatore benji this is where i tune back in and listen healy's already won a stage healy's playing with house money he couldn't have had a better last six weeks for someone yeah. out of contract couldn't have had a better last six weeks correct he was the strongest today but he Correct. made so many mistakes on this stage and he really, really should have won this stage. Like, Correct. first of all, going for KOM, fine. I don't think it makes too big a difference. But here's the first major sort of tactical thing where it's like, this makes no sense. He attacks in the valley, a long flat valley, well before Colle Aperto and well before the Roncola, where he would be expected to shell everybody with the other teams having tug buddies in the group. Rojas is there. Yeah. Israel have two. Intermarche have Bonifacio for uh, Hayes. It, it's going nowhere. Correct. Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? I don't know. I feel like when it comes to Ben Healy, the most logical move for him would be to Hide. wait for that final climb, give it all on the steep section, hope that nobody anticipates on the flat because you're solo. So... You'd have to figure out a way to try and make sure in the first group if a situation like, for example, yesterday's occurs, where we see a few riders anticipate on a flat section, it's harder for Ben Healy to control a situation like that than it is to attack on the steepest section on a climb because that's his terrain. And I agree. I agree that that was not the most um, clever thing to do in that situation. But only Bonifacio tried him. And Ballerini didn't once again. Then again, Ballerini had dropped the previous climb, so yeah, maybe he, was he, wasn't, cool. he wasn't ready to do so. But maybe it is because if we take a look at this breakaway, the likes of a, a Lawrence House thinks he can climb. Bonifazio is teammate of House, so understandable that Bonifazio goes instead. When it comes to Frigo and Berwick... Well, Seb's small, uh, so he can't really push on the flat. Yeah, it, it would have needed to be Frigo then, but if Berwick was already kind of pacing yeah. or working for Frigo before, then... That doesn't really make sense either. And when it comes to Molima, he's, he's also solo. He's probably going to want to try and bet it on the climb instead of on the flat section, even though these days I would say that the only chance of winning the stage for Molima is to try it on the flat before the climb anyway. Albanese, Pascalon. And Gavazzi, those are riders that needed to do it before yeah. the climb for me. Pascalon, yeah. fully agree there. So yeah, they, they made a mistake in not anticipating. But very quickly, I do want to mention that Rubio took the points on the third climb. That's on Salvatore climb. Uh, ahead of Healy, so a bit of a switch up there. I'll talk about what the KOM standings are in total after the stage itself, but we're getting towards that Roncola Alta climb, the big one, the Peloton. Let's talk about the Peloton for a second here. No. They've done nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They've done nothing and they're well, still doing nothing. So. <laughs> FDJ, Pace, they got Armorel and the pink bike. I fully endorse hey, it. Go for it. It worked for Thomas, right? I mean, yeah, Ineos got FDJ to control 90% of this stage. It's, they got to, Ben Swift must have been rubbing his hands together. Sivakov <laughs> had another crash. 
He eventually came back with his elbow bandaged up. I didn't see the crash, but he got dropped a bit early. That's his second reasonably hard crash in this week, so he'll be glad the rest day is tomorrow. But yeah, GC, nothing's happening. And also, like the last climb we saw at the first, the Colliaperto, it's narrow, it's lined with fans, it's cobbled, it's steep in sections, but yep. these guys' level is so close that if you don't pace the climbs before, like Yumbo did on Fossombrone, you aren't going to get any gaps on the 1K 7.5% climb and with a descent finish afterwards. So, yeah. GC wasn't happening. It was all about the breakaway. And we basically don't, as you said, we don't really see guys trying to try Healy too much, which surprised me. Or McNulty, who's also isolated, because those two are the nailed-on favorites, McNulty here. Yep. Healy's won Fornardesh easy ahead of Coos and Van Sevenant and other guys. Healy race in February last year. He is really, really good on this sort of terrain. And I actually want to see him peak for Liège and Lombardia next year because I think if he can be a really long-range option. Anyway, and then Healy can't feel the chain right now. And it's a steep final climb. 6K is 8.5% with 3K is at 9%. Like, Albanese, you like him, Benji, but for him, he's not, he's not keeping it yeah. tight. So you got to go early, and they didn't. They get to the base of the climb. Everyone, Rubio just lets Rojas pace. And so, Mignolzi and Healy must have been laughing. They're like, fuck, we get basically, we get a domestique <laughs> to just pace. And he paces after Bonifacio. And then who went first, Benji? Was it Frigo that jumped? Yep. Frigo jumped pretty early on the climb. And it was after Rojas was doing the pacing, like you said. And we see Mignolzi bridging as the first rider to to cross over to Frigo and directly kind of put him in trouble with Frigo latches onto McNulty. Yeah. But then we see Rubio basically in, in the second group together with Healy. And this is where I feel like Healy did something clever, but maybe a bit nah, too long. second mistake. But too long. I think it's useful to use Rubio to try and close it, but the second you realize that the gap is expanding, that's when it becomes a risk. And that's when the gap became that large that once Healy started jumping past Rubio that it was so long that he has a second scratch on his Cato City, as the Belgians would yeah. say. Well, I think what he did would have been okay. Say Frigo attacks yeah. or Albanese attacks. Yeah. Sit on Rubio for a bit. Yeah. If he's holding a gap stable. But McNulty's the other stage favorite. Yeah. He's Correct. the main guy. And you're essentially giving him a gap. And he's a diesel. That's the second mistake. And he said in the post-race interview that he made it harder for himself than he needed to be because Rubio wasn't really bluffing. He was going as fast as he could because <laughs> he was fucked. So that's sort of the mistake. Number two is identifying that McNulty is the real threat in this group. No one else can come close to me on pure legs on this climb. You can't let him have a gap for free. Um, but yep. eventually Healy got back to him Frigo got dropped by McNulty, or he was yo-yoing at least, just put off the back. McNulty knew Healy was off the back, so he was pushing. But it's a really steep section, 10 11% here. Healy just, he does dance over the gap easily, then goes over the top of McNulty. But now it's like, the gap you'll get will be smaller. So, drops McNulty. I did think the stage was over, <laughs> to be honest. Same. Because... And Healy got a gap in Fossombrone. He just extended it. By the way, this group, the Peloton does this climb. Yumbo doing Ineos into the bottom, all bluster and looking, and Roglic goes to the front, and then they just stop, and then the GC group just paces. Um, now, if Almeida wanted to do something on this stage, maybe UAE should have paced harder. Uh, Healy does this climb like a minute and a half quicker than the Peloton. Maybe not that much, but he does it quicker than the Peloton. Um, and McNulty, I think, just knows Benji. Okay, the last two, three Ks are five, six percent. I yep. go really fast when I push 450 watts on five percent. Don't go over your limit. And Frigo kind of did the same, right? They yep. he, the bigger guys just rode their power, but I still I still thought Healy was gone because the gap at the top was 22, 24 seconds. Ooh. 
I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. And like Rico got in trouble when when McNulty was pacing so hard, you know, on the climb itself. But he he also kept that in mind. He also kept in mind that he's better on those those gradients that McNulty also prefers. And I feel like I was completely sold on Healy winning this stage by the Me time too, we reached yeah. uh, two kilometers before the top. But then the that that false flat uphill section, I'm calling it false flat, but I'd be dying on it. That seemed to favor Bagnolti so much that the gap kept going down, kept going yeah. down, kept going down. And by the top, I was like, well, McNulty's coming back. Regardless of being a, a pretty poor descender. He was better than Healy on the descent, in my opinion. Exactly. So he was coming back from that point onwards, and they were closing down each other on the descent. And then I was thinking, what do we have left in this stage? We've got that Cole Aperto climb. It's a very tiny climb. It, on paper, is the only opportunity for Healy to drop McNulty from this point onwards, because McNulty doesn't need to drop Healy. McNulty's the better sprinter of the two. Like, it's, it's clear from the past, because Healy got destroyed by Godot and Brabantse Pell, if I recall correctly. Yeah. McNulty's done group sprints and been pretty competitive in uphill group sprints mostly, but in, in flat ones, he's not that terrible either. So it was clear that McNulty is the fastest sprinter here. And then we have Frigo, who's off the back, who is gently coming closer, but we get to the bottom of the descent, and we see this view where there's, there's basically a, a motorbike motor pacing McNulty and Healy there. Wow. So bad. It was so bad. Because, like, Frigo must, must have been cursing his lungs out, because he did, he did find his way back, but it could have been a lot easier if the motorbike wasn't involved. This motorbike was really bad sitting in front of the group. Like, I've not seen a motor that close all Giro for such a long time because, okay, you come up, get a camera or a shot quickly, then you maybe the, t the race tells you to move. This was for a long time. And I was, yeah, they were flicking their, um, <laughs> their young Italian because he, he had no motor in front. So that was, yeah. And Twitter and lots of other teams, even FTJ, who had no horse in the race. Yeah. Some of their staff on Twitter were like, this is a complete joke. What's happening with this motorbike? And it was. Anyway, Frigo comes back because, of course, neither McNulty nor Healy are going to, why would you pace full gas scheme behind? Yeah. But then here's Healy's third mistake, Benji. Why does he care about Frigo at all? He, Frigo's just done 20 minutes to come back. He got cooked on the main climb. He's come back basically because these two weren't pedaling. Of course he's going to have to recover. He's yep. cooked. And Healy suddenly, kind of like Pino <laughs> with Cepeda, he starts worrying more about Frigo than McNulty, the big yeah. danger, to the point where he says, and Frigo hadn't been there for that long, man. Yep. Like he hadn't had 20 minutes recovery, 15 minutes recovery. He had not been there. He'd skipped a couple of pools. Healy backs him off McNulty's wheel twice. The cameras didn't show the first one. The second time, McNulty sees it, has a proper gap, and just pins it with a moto in front. Uh, it's like... And then Healy has to close it anyway. You know why? Because Frigo's fucked. It made no sense. It made absolutely zero sense. And at this point, it's the second time in this race where Healy just basically gives a head start to McNulty. So maybe he just likes that. Maybe he likes the challenge. But it's so unnecessary, and it's not the right thing to do in that situation. Because Frigo shouldn't be on his mind. On his mind should be that he can drop Frigo on the next hill if he goes all out. And because of this, he needs to close down McNulty. And it's not a simple gap. It's not like, oh, five meters, let's close it down. He has to go full on out of the saddle. McNulty's really Frigo pushing like 600 wheel. watts. <laughs> He's literally attacking to close it down. And this is with six and a half K to go. The climb is upcoming. The hill is upcoming yeah. in like one and a half kilometers. So... This is the third scratch on the carrosserie, as the Belgians would say, <laughs> just before he needed that unscratched yeah. carrosserie for the uphill attack, because that's where he needs to drop McNulty. And from that point onwards, I was like, it's going to be hard to drop McNulty now. Yeah, it just became a lot harder. They start this climb, and there's cobbles at the start. I wasn't expecting an attack on the cobbles, because, I don't know, Healy's not the kind of rider where I was like, he's going to go out of the saddle on the cobbles, right? No, I thought the steepest section with the narrow crowd before the little gate was where he would throw in a full 30-second yep. huge dig. And he did. He did. And he drops Frigo. But whether that 
playing around before the climb made a difference. McNulty was able to hold onto his wheel despite Healy throwing the haymaker. And now McNulty will just sit on for the descent. But no, no one pedals the descent. But they, by the way, they put Frigo on a proper gap. Yeah. But this descent is so fast and they well paved, despite them not even pedaling, it took so long for Frigo to come back. He only comes back in the last 500 meters. Healy's been on the front the whole time, but no one's been pedaling. Nignalti's going for the sprint. Frigo now gets the help. The moto, he slingshots the moto, slingshots to the group. And then this is now the only way, by the way, Healy can win. Yeah. Frigo is the only way Healy can win this race now because Frigo is going to attack. And that's to be expected. We all knew he was going to attack. When he, if he came back, and Healy has to bluff that McNulty will close it with him in the wheel. Yep. But Healy then closes, he does a lead out for McNulty to Frigo's wheel, and I was like, I thought Frigo was going to win, because I thought Healy would look at McNulty, and then maybe McNulty would look at Healy, and Frigo somehow pulls off a miracle, but it didn't happen. Healy leads out McNulty back to Frigo's wheel. As they get back, McNulty comes out of the wheel and wins the sprint easy, so... Congrats to McNulty. He, McNulty yeah. played this stage so perfectly. He never, he never showed how strong he was on the Valico climb when Ballerini paced the whole time. He never yeah. sprinted for, he took his turns. He didn't show off in the valley. He did his pay. He played this stage absolutely perfectly. Exactly. And it's uh, the first American win since Dombrowski on Sestola, I think, if I recall correctly, which was like That's two not years that long ago. ago. Yeah, it's not. I'm making this like it's like it's been a decade, but that's not the case here. I will say, however, when it comes to that final, I think the mistake is different from my point of view. I feel like the mistake by Healy would have been that he wasn't in McNulty's wheel yeah. going into that situation because then McNulty will close down. Here you go. So I think if you're in the situation where McNulty's in your wheel, then you've already fucked it because then McNulty will expect you to close it. And then it's your decision whether you close it or whether you let Frigo win. I think if he had been in the wheel of McNulty, then that puts McNulty in the decision of having to close down Frigo or not. But that's in hindsight because I don't know if they necessarily expected Frigo to come back at that point. But that being said, he should have been in second position anyway because McNulty's the better sprinter. So I think that's number four. And you're right, that's another scratch on the cutoff three that he closed down. Frigo, and I've overused the sentence so much in this podcast that I'm never going to use it again. But um, a valuable victory for McNulty, the one time that you don't predict him to win a stage in this Giro. Come on, everyone's got to give it to me. Come on, I picked him like six times. <laughs> no, no, and no, no. Seb Wrong stage. Won. Wrong stage. <laughs> and you picked, me, you picked Healy today. Fuck. <laughs> did you actually? I did. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I win. Yay. Um... <laughs> I still think Healy was stronger, but McNulty said he's been battling with sickness. Uh, he's come back uh -huh. and he's, yeah, he's worked himself into the race. Quickstep didn't allow him in the break. <laughs> He'll be glad Remco's out of the race. <laughs> Quickstep didn't let him in the break uh, in the first week. And yeah, on this sort of parkour, he's, you know, one of the best in the world. So as I said, I'd like to see him do the real thing. Lombardia this year, why not? Maybe Poggy wants to do the Vuelta. Um, or they can combine both. Anyway, Two wins for UAE, Benji. Also, McNulty's now won. Oh, he didn't. He would have won stage 16 of the, the tour. He's maybe glad it didn't kick off in the GC group because he would have won the Ugo Ul stage, but he had to wait for Poggy. And the UAE director said he was there for stage plus waiting for Almeida if something yeah. went wrong. So, anyway, this is. Oh, it's the biggest win of his career. He's only won one world tour race, Paris Nice Crazy, last huh? year. He, you would expect if you look at Magnolia that he's won major he things, but four Grand Tour stages. He's been so locked up technically. Yeah. He, uh, just Paranese was a stage one already. Then Giro, the Giro d'Italia. I think he got second in a Giro stage at some point, but I can't remember when. So he's podium stages in in majority of the Grand Tours. I don't think in the Velta yet. So he's just on the brink of winning everywhere. But he's also kind of like that kind of GC rider that. At a, such an early age, he made the step from being that rider on Alto Colorado in San Juan, for example. What was it? The, the first year that Remco rode it 
where Flores won the mountain stage to Alto yeah, Colorado. Yeah, he came third with that, Sevilla. Exactly. That year, he was not nowhere near to the level that he currently is. So nah. he made a severe step up in a short period of time, which means that he was immediately put in the slot of being that potential one-week GC rider without necessarily going for the stage left and right. And I think that's, that's the thing we've seen with so many GC riders now that they have skipped the step of going for stages to the point where McNulty kind of had to prove that he wasn't the yeah. Grand Tour GC rider before he was able to go for stage in the first place, no? Exactly, that's exactly it. He's had to basically show that he doesn't have the consistency to yeah. then go for the things he's designed to do, which is on his day, put out 450 watts for, you know, an indefinite period of time. And I'd say the next step is one day races. He didn't do the Ardennes yeah. this year. He didn't do the Ardennes except Liège and yeah, but uh, Lombardia the year before. Handling's a problem. I agree with your take on one-day races. I think he fits there, but I'm also of the opinion that this is still just a Giro breakaway, even though it's against Healy. Yeah. I, I don't know if he can replicate that against five riders of the quality of Healy in a race, for example, because not all five will make four mistakes like Healy did today. So And he can't he sprint can, that well. He can, he can top 10 in LBL. He can maybe top five a, a race like that, but he doesn't... He's got a sprint, but not the sprint that you'd expect for like a like a Pogacar has at the end of LBL, yeah. like you mentioned. So that's the thing there as well. I I don't know. I also feel like he might now be at the level that he can't really step up one more time to to be even better in those one day races. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll see it. Maybe we won't. But he's also in that spot where he's just used in so many different ways. Whether it's a super domestique in one race, it's an opportunity for stage races. Uh, for stages in others, it's one week stage races in in some other occasions. So it's curious. It's a very versatile rider, which I think UAE is probably happy with. But I'm just very sad that Frigo did not win today because yeah. that was really cool how he came <laughs> back and last minute did not end up winning. But quick thing before we go any further, KOM standings, Bai still in the lead, but Rubio's now in second on a solid 38 points, is my guess, something like that. 38, 28, 28. and Healy's now on. Fourth on, oh God, one off. 36 behind. Okay. So they're coming closer, and the yeah. KOM jersey might be more important than the GC at this point. Never mind. <laughs> we saw an attack today. Oh, no, I should do the top 10 of the stage um, to honor Frigo. He, McNulty first, Healy second, Israel another podium with Frigo, Frigo third, uh, more UCI points, Molima fourth, Rubio fifth, Velasco sixth, Pasqual on seventh, Huis eighth. Voice, have you said Amanezi ninth and Francois Bidar tenth? So yeah, that was the breakaway. But yeah, the GC Benji, we suddenly see when they show I think Molima and Rubio crossing the line. Then we see uh, some yellow jerseys moving on the um, Aperto climb. But Roglic doesn't really go for a nuclear attack. He kind of just paces yeah, the but- front, or maybe that's the best he had. Is it or is it because it was happening on the cobble section of the climb? Because I feel like they were pacing him on the cobble section. I think Bauman was pacing as last man before we saw Roglic take the front and then he didn't really launch and it it looked like it was a standstill for a bit but at a decent tempo. They were all kind of hard pacing the, the cobble section of Cole Aperto, I would say, until we get past the cobble sector and that's where we get the brutal attack of the future Giro d'Italia 2023 winner, <laughs> João Almeida. I'm an aimless vessel flirting with the Portuguese Armada. And yeah, that was it. That was an attack. And by the way, got to talk about it. Almeida attacks and the Giro TV director is like, ooh, that's a nice building. Let's show that instead. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, we've waited two weeks for GC action. They're like, nah, you, don't, you can wait a little bit longer to watch that. I mean, you got a question why the teams wouldn't just write it in? Is it just nervousness? They're like, it's a domino effect of fighting for position where basically everyone ends up just sprinting to be in position on the narrow climb because the directors have told them there's crowds, there's a small gate, etc. 
Because if you actually, if you want to do anything on this stage, you got to pace quick harder on the previous climbs. And so you can't realistically expect any GC gaps with a three kilometer descent afterwards on a stage like this if you just yep. kind of attack the last 500 meters of the climb. So, yeah, like I don't blame Thomas and Ineos for not doing anything. It doesn't suit him. Now, but is there the reverse thing, Benji? If Yumbo haven't gone for anything, on stages that suit Roglic more than anyone else, and he's crashed, should Ineos have tried him? Because if you think Roglic is so much better than you and you don't try, well then, aren't you going to lose more time next week on the really hard stages? Probably, but I also feel like I did not see this as a stage where Thomas was going to attack Roglic in the first place because of the nature of the parkour. Even an yeah. injured Roglic should be able to follow Thomas on this parkour, because... That last climb is not hard enough, and Thomas ain't going to attack with 30k to go or 40k to go on that second last climb. So I think the parkour is made for it, but I do want to talk for a second. There's a lot of discussion on whether this has been a pretty horrible Grand Tour so far. I found the first week pretty good. I enjoyed the first week, partially because we were together doing the podcast and so forth, but also because I felt like it was building up to something. The anticipation towards week two was pretty bloody great. Then we saw stage four with the first few spices. We then went into the rest day, and that's when we lost a character, Remco Evenepoel, which highly, highly influenced the second week, I think, because Remco was ahead, and if he didn't have COVID, then he probably doesn't... Well, then he probably has a minute in GC going into week two, maybe a little bit more than a minute in GC going into yeah. week two, and if that is the case, then every other GC rider kind of has to attack in week two. Everyone would try him this stage. Exactly. Then Gagan Hart is out of the race because of his crash, which is a numerical advantage that could have led to Vinyos trying something tactically, yeah. which I'm not sure they would have, but it's something that's taken out of the race. So I don't necessarily think it's solely the backlouded factor of this parkour that is causing it. I think it's because we have lost the GC riders and the GC situation that would have incentivized or encouraged attacks in week two. We've lost that with Remco dropping out and with Ineos not having multiple riders now. And Roglic is happy with probably resting out with his injury if he's injured from the crash and going towards a week three. Or is he repeating the mistakes of 2022 to France? Potentially, but that depends on whether he's injured or not. And I don't work for Jumbo Visma, so you tell me. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> That's the saddest um, part. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's one of those two, right? He's either 100%, in which case you've left some time on the table, I would say, this week, yeah. or B, he was, they didn't want to risk it because he had that crash and, in his words, had a lot of flesh out of the leg. Or C, they, yeah, they just wanted Ineos to carry the race. I don't know. Um, and yeah, when it comes to Ineos, I'm also in the thought process of like, if I'm Thomas, I want this to be the most relaxed second week as possible because i don't believe i can like on paper thomas loses time in week three on the big mountains to an to a, a peak form roglic if roglic has no issues he gains time on thomas in those big mountains that being Probably. said if you're like in this second week and you're and you're in yours you've lost your tau attack option thomas is not the rider that's going to attack 40k from the line on a stage no. like today for example and so, Sidikov just crashed Exactly. That's a he's crashed twice this week, pretty yeah. heavily the first time around. Don't know how heavy it was in this stage. But then UAE, I'm also like Almeida's not the guy to attack on this. He's gonna wait for week three and try and be the best on the on the final climb on every single stage. That's what he does. I mean, Almeida's never put his team to pace for him to do anything in the history of his career. Yeah, but also today I'm like, what would it have done if he did have his team pace on the second last well, climb? If you're gonna attack probably better to have your team pace the climb before i agree but in this situation i don't think it would have changed anything i think they would have been no, in it wouldn't have, but anyway yeah this was unfortunately this is the worst grand tour week i've ever covered <laughs> it's true it was it was horrible it's fucking true <laughs> not and it's not really it's a, it's from a multitude of factors that some are outside of people's control like the remco's covid like gegenhart crashing like the weather um you can also, however you want to apportion it, say if you backload a route so severely, you will have this stasis. Now, I don't actually buy that 
Because yeah, I don't think it makes sense. If you think the third week is so hard and you're worried other guys are stronger than you, then shouldn't you do something on the stages before you get cooked? Yeah. In the third week? That's what week? Remco was doing. Yeah. Well, we didn't well, so really that's what see Rose on... tries to do on Um yep. So that's where I kind of, it doesn't actually make sense. Everyone, all the other GC contenders think the other GC contenders better. Or yep. there's not much. But also, there is the parkour too, Benji. The riders and the weather meant that Crown Montana was shortened into a nothing because short stages, nothing happens. And then the weekend stage, they put that shambles yesterday, which is always a break. And then today, the final climb was 35Ks from the finish where the steep section ended. So really, what is going to happen? So, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Like four break wins, the GC, no GC action at all, except for a little flurry at the end here and one reduced sprint win. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. Anyway, GC eventually rolls in. The only person that got dropped initially was Kamner. Uh, Thomas tried an attack on the descent. I think he just wanted to get this week over with, frankly, because he paced them, paced them <laughs> in on the front. It was like, what are you guys all doing? Um, I kind of feel that Dunbar had tried to dig two. I thought Jaco might have tried this stage, but yeah, they all come in. Uh, Pino got put on two seconds. I don't know where they found two seconds from because he was yeah. in a group chasing with Kamner behind and GC Coos and Parapantra and they got and Carthy. They got put on two seconds. They basically Pino caught the. Thomas Rogachar made a group on the line. So anyway, GC gaps. I'll do GC before the, on the second rest day. The state of GC is Amiro leading by a minute 08. He keeps pink easily. Thomas on 108. Roglic two seconds off him. Almeida 22 seconds behind Thomas Lechnerson still hanging tough on 150. Caruso on 236. Kamner on 302. Dunbar 340. Aronsman 355. The plus 418, Thibaut Pino 423, Carthy 426, Perry 430, so they're very close. Should be a decent top 10 fight uh, in the third week, uh, actually. But yeah, any last thoughts on this week, Benji, before we maybe, we're taking the rest day tomorrow? I don't um, want to talk about this week anymore. I just want to talk yeah. about the next week, which I mean, on paper looks like fireworks. I don't like being too negative. I don't like, I don't, I don't like just shitting on a race. Um, you know, I love I love all races. I, I'm but this deserves to, it. I'm addicted to watching cycling. Like I, yeah, I'll watch anything. You know, I've been watching Catrajou de Dunkirk finals after the Giro stages oh, this week. Romain, Romain Gregoire, man, he is the real deal. Anyway, yeah. Um, but I just got to say how it is, and I think if you've been watching this week, you'll agree it it was horrific. Um, anyway, it was uh, Chiclamino. Milan still leading G by 40, no, I can't count, 52 seconds, uh, 52 points, and Ackerman a little bit further behind. He's on half the points of Ackerman, of Milan on 88 points. KOM, Benji's already done. Almeida's leading the youth classification. He should win that ahead of Lexington Aronsman, and I don't know who's jumped up on teams. Uh, anyway, next week, Benji. Fuck the that. big week. Can, can this Giro be redeemed by the third week? It's going to be really difficult, but I will say I'm very, very much on recency bias. I'm a very recency biased man, so if this third week is amazing, then I might switch a bit, but I don't think it will get more than an eight regardless of what happens in week three. It's currently on about four, probably, based on the first two weeks, with basically no proper GC action except for stage four and an Almeida attack on Coliaperto, but that Coliaperto almeida attack won't necessarily up it, <laughs> I would think. There's plenty of great stages on the menu, like Monte Bondoni. Initially, I was like, this is going to be a nothing burger. But that is because I expect the action to happen on the last climb, which doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. I think the action will still only happen on the last climb. But it's going to be an attrition stage to the point that if they ride the whole thing, which I think they will do because it's, it's not high altitude, so there's probably no snow on these climbs. It should be okay. The weather's better. They're in the lakes region. It's like 20 degrees, 25 degrees. So this stage should go on fully, and that's one of the ones with the, with the most amount of altitude meters. So attrition will be 
will be the thing here. I look forward to seeing it. That final climb, 22 kilometers, and the last 8.4k, I think, is like 7.8%. That's a pretty fucking rough climb. Yeah, but the last 3k is a 4.5%. Yeah, but you'd expect the action to happen beforehand then, no? You would. But who's going who's gonna, yeah, to... But... Who? You're a director of UAE, Ineos, or Yumbo. It's all on Yumbo, right? Yeah. It's, it's on Yumbo to do something. 100%. Because everyone thinks Roglic is the strongest, and based on previous history, he is. So but what it's if up he to isn't? Yumbo. Pardon? What if he actually isn't the strongest at the moment? What if his injury is actually super serious? Or Almeida's just better, and he's tired after the cold. Well, Almeida is better, but we'll get to that at the end of this Giro. <laughs> this no, is the I think stage Almeida's where Almeida returns in the last 4K. I think Almeida wins, yeah. This, this Giro is setting up perfectly for Almeida yeah. to have a real chance of winning this race. UAE are coming good at the right time. Vine said he's over his sickness. He rode the front of the last major climb today. Sunny conditions coming. McNulty just came good. He said he's been sick. Formolo's been all right. That's three good riders. Plus, Almeida attacked the strongest today. He's looking really good. I don't think it's guaranteed that Roglic just drops him on any of these stages. Like, and it feels like he's also good enough that he doesn't need to drop to be able to catch up at the end. He can just stay with the riders at the moment. Well, would you be comfortable doing the Lusari TT only 20 seconds ahead of him? I would not. On no. the flat section, I expect Roglic to take time on Almeida, but on the uphill section, it can quickly turn from Primoz, as we saw a few years yeah. ago. And yeah, we can say, oh, that's only one occasion, but... It's still very much marked in our memory, so it's probably still marked in Primoz's memory as well going into that mountain time trial. And maybe you're saying, okay, why would Roglic do something on Monte Bondoni, knowing that, ooh, stage 19, for example, Trecimo de Livaredo, the last three kilometers, whatever it is, the last X amount of kilometers is super steep to the finish line. Last 7.1k at 7.8%. This is a, a very rough climb. I think it's the last three kilometers, that's like 10 to 14% average. Yeah. So, would you wait until that, like Hindley nah. did last year, waiting on the last stage on Fedaya? Because you might, you just might not be good that day. Yeah, or you know? Almeida might just be as good, and you go into the last stage of time yeah. trial equal, which I'd not be comfortable with. I, I think you got to, like Bondane, to me, he's got to go for the stage. The finish is shallow. Kuss can make the, can keep the group together. I yeah. don't see anyone dropping him. They have to use Hessman, Omen, and Co. to control the breakaway. And it's time to start taking some time back. And yeah, you pace with whoever. Dennis is looking quite good, actually. And he's yeah. coming into some good shape. And then it's a 5% uphill sprint at the end of a long climb. Like, but it's Rogers, really hard, this climb, no? It is, it is. But if Koos is in good shape and Glog, you you know... And they're there, and Ineos yep. are there. Who's going to attack? I think this is a stage where you want to try and put Thomas into the into the shadow realm. I see that more for try. stage eighteen. Well, you have to try it here, right? Is Valdis older stage eighteen? Yeah, it's like short and super steep, but not that short. Like it's like the last Koi is six k's nine percent, and then the last three k's of it, uh, I think like 11 percent um yeah. it's actually really hard the koi climb five and a half k's nine and a half percent with three k's at 11 percent average so i think you can cook thomas there but i think almeida's the type of rider benji where as we've seen in other races doesn't he lose all his time because he's just really shit one day and you that's yeah. why you got to sort of yeah. try him on multiple days yeah and so far, he hasn't been tested so far, so he's in a really good position to do it. In yeah. week three, where he hasn't shown that big weakness, I think in the first Giro, he lost quite a bit of time in the last week, but in the other Giros he did, he looked really good in week three. So I truly believe in, in your boy for, uh, well, in, I'm saying in your boy, but your boy is GC Cuz, and to be honest, I don't see opportunities for GC Cuz to take my nah, on if you good, dude. <laughs> what are you going to do, top, top 10 GC, top 5 GC? Easy top 10, G uh, top 10 GC. <laughs> Camilo didn't look amazing today. 
Nah, Camner got dropped. Yeah, I mean, this is a problem. Camner's been there the whole time, not tested. Like, if he just shells five minutes on Tuesday on Bondone, they'll be like, wow, that was a waste of two weeks. Or at least they, know they yeah. tried and they know. Like, next Giro, go for stages. But you would have expected him in the break with McNulty and Healy today. Um, but then again, Dan's made up for it, eh? Exactly. And people did say, why are you so negative about Dan's winning yesterday? I told you, I told you on stage 11 or 12, he is my enemy. He beat Berwick, and until <laughs> Seb Berwick wins a pro race, Nico Denz is my enemy. Same thing with Johannesson until Vine won a race, and then he's not the enemy anymore. So, it's not personal, but, but, but he's my personal. enemy, should have been relegated. <laughs> Justice for Derek G. <laughs> um, slightly okay. tongue-in-cheek. But not really. Um, anyway. Yeah. Any stage you'd like to point out, Benji, for people to definitely watch next week? I guess. Just trade Monte Bondone. 16, 18, and 19, and 20 are must-watches. I don't think 16 is. Um, you'd hope so I after the second last day? I think you need it for the anticipation of the next three. Okay, but I can only have... I can only wait in anticipation for so long, Benji. Eventually, I gotta. <laughs> you gotta give me something. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, I'm picking Almeida to win the Jira. You, you got Almeida. Yeah, of course. Yep. Confident. I've been on okay. it since 2021, and it failed every year. So now 2020. I've been on it since 2020. So there's still time it for heartbreak. It has to happen right? now. No, there's no there's time for heartbreak. There's plenty of time for heartbreak. Almeida has this easy. He's gonna destroy everybody. Was he in this position last year? He's going to win the Giro by 1 minute and 47 seconds. No, bro, he'd have to attack to do that. He, he did today. <laughs> no, he'd have to tell his team to pace and then attack. And Will happen. I don't think he'll do that. Um, You'll see. Nah, maybe. Anyway, that's Giro. Have a nice rest day, everybody. Uh, we'll be coming back for Bondoni stage on Tuesday. Until then, ciao.